Disclaimer, please check your playback settings. Ensure you are listening to this podcast at normal speed. Unless you want us to sound drunk, then play at half speed. Thank you. Okay, so I've hired a private investigator guy, whatever. He said he's going to help us with Josh and his problem. Yeah, whatever. Can we get it done in like uh, the next three minutes? We got to start our podcast. Uh, I think this might take a bit more than just a few minutes. I'm thinking it might take at least until... Good day, gentlemen. My name is uh, James Malloyne. Okay, yeah, I, I'm Tom, yeah, I'm Dan. This is Tom. Uh, hello, hello, Mr. Malloyne. Yes, James Malloyne. So I'm here to help you with your problem. Uh, you mind telling me about it? Yeah, it's our co-host, Josh. He's into some really hard stuff. Yeah, I mean, we've been trying for a while now, but we really need him to stop. I understand. You want to get your friend, and uh, here's how you get him. He pulls a knife. You pull a gun. He sends one of yours to the hospital. You send him whoa, to... Whoa, 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 Mr. Con... Uh, Malloyne, uh, that sounds really, uh... Excessive? Maybe that's a bit extreme. That's not, that, 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 that's not the way we really wanted to handle it. You've tried everything, and that led you to me, right? Well, now you've joined the Treasury Department. The what? The... Um... Okay, look, we just want to have an intervention with our friend Josh, not... Whatever it is you're talking about here. Ah, you're looking to intervene on these personal matters, eh? Not, not quite, um, but he's really gotten into White Claw, and it's kind of embarrassing. He's become really unbearable about it, and it's just starting to affect the podcast. I don't know, he's just kind of a sad sack anymore, if I'm being honest. Ah, White Claw. <laughs> no need to say any more, son. Tell me more. Has it affected his home life? can only help if you're completely honest with me. Yeah, his wife called us, uh, she's saying stuff like he's, um... Less of a man? Yeah, that's what she said. Um, he wasn't the man she married? Look, that's not important. What's important is how it's affecting us. Yeah, we're more concerned with the fact he won't shut up about it and is constantly rubbing our faces in it. Ah, yes. You don't want to be rubbing your faces in anything like that. Shit gets everywhere. Yeah, plus it's almost ruined. Wait, wait, what? I'm familiar with the snow, the white rock, the blow. I've seen what it does to him. First thing we need to do is remove any uh, supplies he might have. Any uh, secret stashes, if you would. Oh, well, I mean, it's not so much a secret. He's probably got some in the fridge. Yeah, I mean, that's normally where you would keep a white claw. Are you really a P.I.? Yeah, the refrigerator. <laughs> Very smart. Keeps the taste fresh. No, I think you're confused. This isn't- No need to pay me. This is a service and I'm happy to help. Now I just need to go collect this white claw and take it back to the station. <laughs> We're gonna have to deal with him for a while, aren't we? Yeah, I have a feeling that that's gonna come back to bite us in the ass. Did you guys really need me here for all this? We need to get to recording our podcast. Up, up. <clears throat> like I said, we've been putting it off for too long. We really got to get going. I really feel like... Whatever, we're... let's go. Hello? Hello? Is anybody here? <laughs> I suppose they left. Yeah, let's watch a movie, guys.
in there, kid. You're almost there, so I don't want to see you give up yet. I know Xander Berkeley and Heat is looking scary, but I want to see you tear right through him on your way to Robert De Niro and the Untouchables. I want to see you get mean against Charles Martin Smith in Starman. Otherwise, you'll never make it past Jeff Bridges in the last picture show. But if you got the guts to take on Sybil Shepherd in Taxi Driver, then I know you got the heart to go one-on-one -on -one with Joe Spinell in Rocky. Now get in there! Step into the squared circle every Tuesday at firepitpodcast.com as Dan, Tom, and Josh start on their marathon to pound town. Taking on all the heavy hitters, going the distance against the heavyweight champion of boxing films, Rocky. Rocky. It's hope. It's heartbreak. It's haymakers. And it's here at the fire pit. You're a wrecking machine. Good evening, bots and listeners, and welcome back to the Fire Pit. I'm Dan, the Enforcer, Nigel, and we, we've got you made tonight. After leaving in 30 seconds when we saw the heat coming around the corner, we're on to tonight's film. As per our rules, we've taken an actor or actress from our last film and moved them to this one. And now to tell us more about what we're watching and who we're watching, I send things over to Josh. Why, thank you, Dan. Josh, the numbers guy, Reggie here. And last week, we followed Xander Berkeley from Terminator 2 to Heat, where he got the shit scared out of him by one angry Al Pacino. Or Al Pacino. But also in Heat <laughs> was the legendary Robert De Niro, who we'll take into tonight's film. The Untouchables, where he'll go from a heist leader to a gang leader in the role of the legendary gangster Scarface Al Capone. To give us more of a rundown on this film, the production, I'm going to go ahead and uh, put this uh, secret message into a bottle and pass it over to Tom in the speakeasy. Thompson. Uh, thank you, Joshy boy. Tommy Gunn Thompson here. And as mentioned, tonight we're watching the second film in our Marathon to Pound Town, 1987's The Untouchables, also starring Kevin Costner, a three-peat as legendary lawman Elliot Ness, Sean Connery, welcome to the four-peat club, as Malone, and Andy Garcia and Billy Drago. The Untouchables was released on June 3rd, 1987. It has a running time of 119 minutes, a budget of a modest $25 million in 80s dollars, and a box office of $106.2 million. It also has a Rotten Tomatoes score of 83% with an audience of 89% and an IMDb rating of 8 out of 10. So a pretty solid film with a amazing time in the box office. Looks that way. So real quick before we get on to your uh, meta, Kevin Costner and Sean Connery, they're both three and four Pete respectively they've never been used as a connector have they 
No, they have not. Um, well, I, I actually will get into this more, but um, there's some trivia about our podcast that's tied to this film. So, oh, is there? Oh, yeah. So I'll mention it. I'll mention it when I get to uh, trivia. But yes, uh, Kevin Costner and Sean Connery are both now in the three and four peat clubs, respectively, and we have yet to use any of them as a connector. Oh, tease first dance section. Okay. Yeah. Well, I- well, Tom, I... hurry up through yours. I want to hear dance. Okay, well, start the clock, Josh, because we're getting to the production of The Untouchables. Tagline, Al Capone, played by Robert De Niro, he ruled Chicago with absolute power. No one could touch him. No one could stop him. Until Elliot Ness, played by Kevin Costner, and a small force of men swore they'd bring him down. Summary, during the era of prohibition in the United States, Federal agent Elliot Ness sets out to stop ruthless Chicago gangster Al Capone and, because of rampant corruption, assembles a small, hand-picked team to help him. This is based on the book called The Untouchables, which was an autobiography by Elliot Ness and co-written with Oscar Fraley. It was published in 1957. It deals with the experience of Ness's Ness and his agents uh, during the prohibition um, and their fights uh, with organized crime in Chicago from the 20s and early 30s. Uh, While the film is based on that book and the historical events, uh, the film itself kind of plays loosey-goosey. Not that it stopped it from receiving any positive reviews from the critics or going on to winning several awards from the Academy to the London Film Critics Circle to the Golden Globe all of which went to Sean Connery for Best Supporting Actor. Are we surprised that of all the people in this movie to get the gold, it would be Sean Connery? No, no, we're not. No. But behind the camera, we have a lot of familiar names here, team. So this was produced by Art Linson, who was, our, uh, ironically enough, a connecting producer from Heat. Uh, His focus has always been dark comedies and grim and gritty films, such as Fast Times at Ridgemont High, Scrooged, and We're No Angels, all of which very highly rated. Also, we have David Mamet, another repeat writer on this. He wrote another De Niro film we've seen. Anyone care to guess what he's written? Wag the Dog. Wait, what was the name again? David Mamet. Josh said Wag the, Wag the Dog? Yes. Uh, he wrote another De Niro film? Have we seen this De Niro film? Yes, on this show. Then it's either Heat or Wag the Dog, because those are the only two we've seen. It is Wag the Dog. Okay. Ooh, I win. <laughs> again, he's a dialogue-heavy screenwriter focusing on dramas and crimes, or Glenn Gary Glenn Ross being another one of his. And this film was also directed by... Brian De Palma, crime drama, suspense and action. Uh, he did Scarface before this and Carrie and Mission Impossible afterwards. I don't think he's a repeat director, though. I didn't see anything we've seen from him. But music, I'm pointing out because we have a returning composer, Ennio Morricone. You might remember him from another film we've had on this podcast. Care to guess which one? I'll let you uh... know when you're getting cold. Uh, what dead calm the thing he did the thing oh i'll let yeah. you know when you're getting cold <laughs> finish up your segment tom i'm, uh, I'm, bored. I'm, bored. I'm, bored. I'm bored of it now 
Clearly, Josh is the only one that can pull off the quizzing parts. But in front of the camera, we have three returning faces. Kevin Costner plays Elliot Ness. We've seen him on Swing Vote, Robin Hood, uh, Prince of Thieves. Sean Connery, he's been in Highlander, Hunt for Red October, and also Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Connery, as we've noted, uh, stage and performance. Kevin Costner, a performance. This was still early in Costner's career. Um, American Flyers in an episode of Amazing Stories was all he'd done before this. So this was his breakout role. Connery, obviously, James Bond. Everyone knew him. Finally, Robert De Niro as Al Capone. Wag the Dog and Heat. Character and method actor. Though this is not as heavy as Heat, this also has a mighty supporting cast. We've got Charles Martin Smith who is our connector, Andy Garcia said, Jack Kehoe, and for you Doctor Who and Arrow fans, John Barrowman. Um, so yeah, pretty decent cast, crew, creators. But now that we know who's making this film, Dan, do we have any trivia on this film? Nope. Oh, shit. <laughs> actually, there's quite a bit of trivia on this film. Speaking of Robert De Niro being a method actor, Robert De Niro actually tracked down Al Capone's original tailors and had them make him some of the identical clothing that uh, Al Capone actually wore or in the same style that Al Capone wore. They had pictures of some of the suits and coats and hats and stuff that Al Capone wore uh, when he was alive. Robert De Niro tracked to the original tailors and had him basically make the same outfits again, just fitted for Robert De Niro. Robert De Niro insisted on wearing the same style of silk underwear that Al Capone wore, even though he knew it would not be seen on camera. The producers, knowing Robert De Niro's reputation as a method actor, ultimately gave in. <laughs> Not the weirdest thing he's ever done to prepare for a role, but that's up there. Yeah. <laughs> Am I the only one who would, who wants to see the interaction between Bob De Niro <laughs> and the uh, Taylors? Like, he walks in there and be like, I want, I want you to make me a suit. Yeah. You're going to make me a suit. I want you to make me Al Capone suit. Aren't you that Raisin Bull guy? <laughs> You're making me the suit. Look, we're going to talk here. You're going to make me a suit. <laughs> Go on, Nigel. And uh, speaking of Oscar wins, uh, this is out of all the movies Sean Connery has made, uh, Sir Sean Connery, actually, uh, he's been in over 70 movies. Um, and I, well, he would eventually go on to be in over 70 movies, eventually becoming one of the world's most famous movie stars after this movie was made. And he's won numerous movie awards, including three Golden Globes and had a very successful career that spanned more than 50 years. This role is the only Oscar win. For him, he, this is his only Academy Award win. He won it for Best Supporting Actor. No, that shit. is crazy. I was reading about that too. That is crazy. Holy God! I know. I again, when looking up the production stuff, I saw he won a whole bunch for supporting. But wow, the first yeah. time. Good that would him. be almost as crazy as if Alan Rickman never got an Oscar. I mean, can you imagine that? Yeah, and wait. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm sad. <laughs> Speaking of people who have Oscars, Kevin Costner and Robert De Niro have also have Oscars. Not going into this film, obviously, like Tom mentioned, this is the start of Costner's career. So uh, he'll later go on to win um, Academy Awards for Best Picture and Best Director for Dances with Wolves. And Robert De Niro would win Best Actor in 1981 for Raging Bull. And he won Best Supporting Actor in 1975 for The Godfather Part Two. So pretty star-studded cast, even if uh, one star was actually rising at the time this movie was made. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But yeah, so I thought that was kind of interesting. So on to some trivia about our podcast real quick. Kevin Costner has shared the screen with the most amount of actors we've featured on this podcast. You tell. Not we movies we may not necessarily have covered, but these are actors that he has shared the screen with. 
Sean Connery in The Untouchables, Tim Robbins in Bull Durham. We saw Tim Robbins in uh, Shawshank Redemption. James Earl Jones in Field of Dreams. We saw James Earl Jones in Swashbuckler and The Hunt for Red October. Morgan Freeman in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. We saw him in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves and Shawshank Redemption. Kevin Bacon in JFK. We saw Kevin Bacon in Apollo 13 last summer. Dennis Hopper in Waterworld. We have seen Dennis Hopper five times on this podcast. Friend Um, of the channel and patron saint of the fire pit. Yeah. Uh, he is in the same movie, even though they don't have any screen time together, but he's in the same movie as with Michael Shannon in Man of Steel. We saw Michael Shannon in Midnight Special, uh, and he had shared the screen with Woody Harrelson in Highwaymen. And he was in Wag the Dog. And yeah. he was in Wag the Dog. And tonight he will also share the screen with Robert De Niro, who we have seen in Heat in The Untouchables and Wag the Dog. Wow. He yeah. gets around. Yeah, for... Which is amazing. We've never Kevin used... Costner. Pure Hollywood slut. <laughs> <laughs> and what's the ma- the amazing thing to me is Tom mentioned it, it kind of stole my thunder, but he's shared the screen with more actors in our podcast than any other actor that we've never used as a connector. We've never yeah. used Kevin Costner as a connector. Or Sean Connery, amazingly enough. Yes. Yeah. We will so. have to fix that oversight. Yes. And the last bit or, of- or keep it going. <laughs> and the last bit of trivia I have is Kevin Costner has played three famous lawmen in films. Okay. Tonight, we'll see him play Elliot Ness in The Untouchables. Mm-hmm. He would later on in his career go on to play Wyatt Earp in the movie Wyatt Earp, which was the uh, rival movie to uh, Tombstone. It was the movie. They were, two Wyatt Earp movies were made around the same time. Uh, Tombstone won that battle. Um, and then he would go on to play Frank Hammer in Netflix's The Highwaymen, which is about the two detectives who eventually took down Bonnie and Clyde. Ooh. Oh, well, I've not heard of that one. It's a good movie. It's a very, very good movie. Woody Harrelson's in it, too. Uh, he's the other guy. And they go to take down Bonnie and Clyde. And they're the ones who eventually do take him down. Ah. Kind of interesting. I remember when they were pushing that one after it first came out. I haven't seen it, but I remember when they was pushing it. I like mm-hmm. it because it's one of the few movies that doesn't glorify what Bonnie and Clyde did. They actually show them as actual like cold-blooded killers. Like, they were not these noble outlaws. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's the only that's all the trivia I've got right now. I've got a few more, but I was going to talk about them as the scenes started to happen. So, Josh, just how much of a box office draw was this film? Yeah, The Untouchables, like we talked about, premiered June 5th, 1987. On its initial run, it had a box office domestic gross of about $76 million. So it had a uh, gross of about $50 million. Net 50, or is it, yeah, gross, I don't know, whatever. Math is hard this time. But yes. uh, yeah, pulled in $76 million on a budget of $25 million. But uh, yeah, so it did pretty well. It did not premiere at number one, though, on its opening weekend. Really? It actually opened with six other movies this same weekend. It premiered at number two. Do you guys care to take a whack at what movie was at number one? I'll give you a hint. It was a sequel, and it was on its third week of release. In 1987, third week of release. Is it a Star Trek? No. Damn it, June 1987, sequel, Back to the Future 2? No. 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 That was like, Nigel? We didn't lose you, did we? No, no, no. I'm trying to think, 1987? Mm -hmm. I'll give you a hint. It's a cop movie. Lethal Weapon 2? No. No, that movie hadn't come out yet. I actually had trivia about that. Uh, Because Kevin, uh, Mel Gibson turned down this role to go do Lethal Weapon. Uh, Police Academy? Beverly Hills Cop 2. Oh, my God. Of course. Damn yep. it. Beverly Hills Cop 2 at number one. 
pulled in $12 million that opening weekend. The Untouchables at number two, pulling in $10 million. Harry and the Hendersons at number three, pulling in $4 million. And a classic, Jim Varney, Ernest Goes to Camp at number four, pulling in $2.3 million. And at number five was the amazing Michael J. Fox and his very, very well-known movie, The Secret of My Success, playing in $2 million. On its I like that movie. So did I. That was a good one. We need to get to that one. But uh, no, Lethal Weapon was on the box office this weekend. Um, it was at number 11 on its 14th week of release. It pulled in $693,000 that weekend. And uh, Crocodile Dundee was at number 12, pulling in $645,000 that weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, Platoon was at number 8. And uh, the Chipmunk Adventure was at number seven. But um, Dan, I think you'll get a kick out of this. But uh, its last weekend recorded was August, the weekend of August seventh to the ninth on Box Office Mojo. Do you want to know what movie premiered at number three? It premiered on this weekend in 1987. Dan, you'll you'll enjoy this bit of trivia. I have no idea. Masters of the Universe. Oh, nice. Yeah. But uh, The Untouchables ended its box office run at number 16 on the uh, box office. So that's when it pulled in most of its uh, $69 million had made its run through then. So like a lot of the times they stay in theaters, but it's so low that they don't really track them very much. But um, seriously, some of these movies that's uh, in the box office on its final week, like Masters of the Universe, La Bamba. The Lost Boys, RoboCop, Full Metal Jacket, Dragnet, Adventures in Babysitting, Superman 4, The Quest for Peace, and this one right here that I know you guys have seen because I know I loved this movie as a kid, The Care Bears Adventure in Wonderland. I don't remember The Care Bears Adventure in Wonderland. I remember every one of those other films, though. No, I didn't. I know I didn't love it. So, (laughs) okay, so two clunkers for sure on that list, but yeah. There's a lot of movies on that closing weekend, like yeah. RoboCop on its fourth week of release. Yeah, it's a crazy weekend, like that way, that particular weekend when it went out. You could go into the theater and you could be like, what do I want to watch? Beverly Hills Cop 2, Full Metal Jacket, or The Untouchables, or RoboCop, or La Bamba. Yeah, that's why Untouchables was only number two. Whew. Yeah, that yeah, was just released yeah. at the wrong time. Yeah. But that is, uh, yeah, that's all I got for the box office. So, um, Dan, you haven't seen this film before, right? Oh, no, 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 no. I've seen Untouchables about a million times. Oh, have you? Oh, yeah. Um, actually, story behind this film, my um, grandfather loved movies, like loved movies. And he had a setup in a den, in his den, where he would he would watch movies. And the VCR was all the way out in the front room. So but it was connected to this TV that I still have in my closet. I still have my grandpa's old TV from his den in my closet. Oh, wow. I've never, I don't know if it works anymore, but I've never been able to, I've just never been able to bring myself to get rid of it. And one of the reasons is because this movie, I have very fond memories of. We would like, I would come over with mom to, and mom was going to go visit. And honest to God, he would ask, you know, what do you want to watch today? And I'm like, untouchables. (laughs) You know, I love this movie as a kid. It's just, um, and then as an adult, I became to appreciate it a little bit, a little bit more just because I think the acting's really good in this film. I think I can see why, you know, like Kevin Costner continued to get roles after this. Like, I think he's really good in it. And of course, I think De Niro and, and Connery kind of anchor the movie because they're both really good actors on opposite sides of the law. So they anchor the two every scene that they're in. 
yeah, it's just one of my favorite movies. So I don't really have any expectations going in. I know I'm going to love it, but um, that's just a story I have for this movie. Oh, that's a good story right there. I like it. Yeah. And I do still have the VHS that my grandpa used. We would watch this on. It's like, I, it's one of the few VHSs I still own for the, again, for the reason I just haven't been able to bring myself to get rid of it, you know? So, I mean, it's a, practically a family heirloom. Now. Yeah. It's just, it's just one of those things. Like I, I just, um, I have very fond memories of watching this movie in that, in that den with him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Nice. Nice. I wish I'd kept some of my grandpa's old VHSs. Not that I can play them, but still principle of the matter. Josh, what about you? Is this your first time seeing this? This is my first time seeing this movie, yeah. Oh, so what are you expecting, I suppose? I really have no expectations for this film. I don't know if I'll like it. I don't know. I really don't have any expectations for it. You you do, you do. have heard about the film, at least, right? No. <laughs> really? You've, you're going in completely blind. Yeah, I've seen the trailer a couple times when I was writing the script for the skit, but... Okay. I am completely deaf, dumb, and blind about this film. I probably had heard the name somewhere, mm-hmm. but I could. If you told me before we presented our lists, what's the Untouchables about? I would have probably been like, it's a Western. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. It does kind of have a Western sound to it. Yeah. Wow. I had no idea. You never even heard of this film. Like, I wouldn't say this movie's a classic, but this movie's like, yeah, like when you told me Sean Connery was in it, I was like, oh, I didn't know that. I didn't even know Kevin Costner was in it. You know what? I, I, think I, I, barely, I only knew that uh, Bob De Niro was in it. I learned that fact when Tom gave his list. Will you stop calling him Bob De Niro like you guys are friends? <laughs> I'll call him Bobby. How's that? With Bobby D? Yeah. Al Pacino gets to call him Bobby. We are obviously not Al Pacino. Well, me and Bobby D go way back. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, we both get our underwear from the same tailor. You know, we go with that silk stuff. It's so nice. Mm-hmm. <sighs> but yeah, I'm never heard of this movie so what has been your opinions on period pieces like films that take place in like the 20s or the 30s oh i loved captain america the first avenger this is not that kind of film (laughs) (laughs) i am trying to think of i'm drawing blanks right now what's some other period piece movies oh God, um, Road to Perdition. Nope, never seen it. Mm, oh boy, you're you're killing me, Smalls. Um, seen that one, Gangs of New York. Never seen it. Now, that's more of a stylized period piece, but uh, period piece, excuse me. But um, yeah, I think the Sandlot would be considered a period piece slash nostalgia film. Well, no, he's uh, Apollo thirteen. Oh yes, yes, seventies and the right stuff. Oh, the right 60s. stuff, definitely. Actually, since this is more of a historical drama, not really so much a period piece, because, again, these are actual events. Yeah, so although guess, some of the events in the actual like events of this movie are like, maybe little, like historical crime. or Yeah, something. yeah, because yeah, like actually in real life, Al pa- not Al Pacino, <laughs> not the real gangster, Dan, not a fake one. Um, Al, Al Capone. Capone in real life, Al Capone had a, a strict no kill or harm order on Elliot Ness and his men, even though he knew that they were trying to bring him down because one, he thought he could stay one step ahead of him at all times. And two, he knew that if he killed a cop or a federal agents, that there would be an unimaginable amount of heat on him. So we watched that movie last week, but, <laughs> um, zing. yeah, uh, I don't know. Uh, I can't think of any, honestly, how many, uh, 
period type movies like this, especially in the 1920s or 30s. Yeah, but I can drama. comment on Kevin Costner. I mean, like I know I've talked about him when last time we watched a Kevin Costner yeah. film. Um, go ahead, Josh. I don't want to steal your thunder. Yeah. Well, you've kind of done that, but it's okay. No, I like Kevin Costner. I don't think that I'm going to think that he had a bad turn in a bad performance. I don't think I've seen a Sean Connery movie I haven't liked. Um, I don't really know how I feel about this movie in general. Never seen it. Oh so. wow! So completely tabula rasa. I love it. Yeah, like I said, I, until I looked it up when we were going over these lists, I had no idea what it was even about. So, yeah, completely blind. That's oh, interesting. That's very cool. So that's it for my expectations. So, Tom, what about you? Yeah, um, I've seen most of this film, and I've liked what I've seen. Most of my um, exposure to this was the TV show. I can't remember who played Elliot Ness. but well, you'd know him. You'd know him. Maybe who? you can help solve a mystery. Is it really? Oh, yeah, it's the, Robert the Stagg. Robert oh, Stagg. The unsolved Ultra mystery. Ultra Magnus? Guy? Yeah, Ultra Magnus, Robert Stack was Elliot Ness in the Untouchables television show. Holy shit, how did I forget that? Wow, damn. I so remember... there was a TV show? Yeah, <laughs> the, the, yeah, it was actually made based on the book that Elliot Ness co-wrote. And, uh, what, Elliot Ness died in 56, and they made the TV show in like 58 or 59 is when the show debuted. Oh, oh, I was talking about the 90s show. So, oh. Oh. Yeah, so... um. But remember the 90s show, it had the guy that played Gimli as Malone's character, or at least Malone adjacent. That's what I remember from. Oh, okay. So Robert Stack's not in the 90s show. So, okay. I would have remembered that. But yeah, so my exposure was the show, which I liked. I loved the show as a kid. Didn't see much of it. I seen the majority of this movie, especially a few key scenes. Um, The dining room scene, which I think was... uh, Edited for television, because I'm pretty sure I saw this on television. And a few others that I don't want to spoil for Josh. But I I like this. It's going to be a good film. I know it's going to be a good film. It's De Niro. It's, it's Connery. And there are some other big names in this film. Kehoe. I'm not sure I'm pronouncing his name wrong. Even if it was just them sitting around talking about the weather... I think those two, De Niro and Connery, would make this film a film. And early Costner, yeah, that's, I'm going to get good show, good performance. I'm looking forward to watching this with adult eyes, unedited, um, in a proper widescreen format. And now I'm really excited to um, get Josh's watching experience because I think there's a little nostalgia for me going into this film, both because I saw it as a kid and liked it, and I loved the TV show as a kid. So those two right there are just bolstering me. But um, those are my expectations. I'm expecting my experience to be pretty good, just like it was the first time. So, I mean, yeah, I, I can't. Wow. Just, Why am I I'm, getting true grit vibes off of this, uh, our expectations? How like so, Dan, Josh? Dan, Dan, well, because True Grit, Dan, you know, he was walking into that movie knowing he loved it. He couldn't wait to watch it. Tom had kind of seen it. He was looking forward to watching it, but what didn't have the nostalgia that Dan had it, and I was going in blind. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm getting flashbacks to that episode. Um. I don't remember it being as slowly paced. Yeah, I'll t- I, I will Grit. say this. I'm much. not comparing the movie to them. I'm just comparing our expectations 
to them and yeah. I know how we had our, our uh, final thoughts on that movie ended up. Well, I don't think you and I are going to be combating each other on this one. I think I really do think you're going to enjoy this film because that was then. This is now. I kind of understand what kind of movies you like, and you like movies with a slightly faster pace. And this mm-hmm, movie mm-hmm. does have a faster pace. So yeah, there's a lot more shooting. There's uh, it's got a 1980s sensibility to it, so that definitely helps it. And also, it does, like I said in my production notes, it does play fast and loose with some historical. Um, details again for that extra Hollywood pop. Yeah, but you might not be wrong in this, Josh. I've. Well, I'm not yeah. saying like I'm not comparing the actual. I'm just saying like our expectations are eerily similar to what they were when we did True Grit. Yeah, but ah. I promise. I promise to you, the movie completely out of the equation. Yeah, so this might be the movie that redeems that. Yeah, this and, might be our expectations. And I'm pretty sure this movie won't be Al Capone's vault for Josh. Yeah. Then again, there were no toys made after this of this movie. So, I mean, our track record with movies that had a toy line are a lot better than those that didn't have a toy line, especially 80s films. True. Robocop yeah. being one. Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves being two. Did Tango and Cash have a toy line? No, we just wanted it. They didn't. We wanted them to no, have we a toy wanted, line. Yeah, we, we, we did our, we watched the movie thinking it was we were doing commercials for the toy Where line. Where the fuck but... was our toys for that one? Yeah. <laughs> Hollywood were disappointed in you. But I've got nothing else, team. Uh, Josh, Nigel, do you have anything else? No, I'm looking forward to watching the movie. I just have no expectations of it. And I don't think it's going to be a uh, <coughs> art of war. Well, no, 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 no. Well, I'm going based off what I said on that one. It's like I went in with no expectations and I was still disappointed. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't think this is going to be this one. Like, I think if I don't like this movie, then uh, I will be just, okay, I'm good then. Well, I wonder, though, if it helps you get in the right mindset, if there so if anyone else had other thoughts nope. about this movie, <laughs> Dan already pushing the button. Oh, shit. I have quiz tonight. Hang on a second, guys. <laughs> IMDb. He may not be joking. This this may not be a goof. For the past few weeks, we've all been like on, copying and paste. OK, I got it. No, I actually did my homework like an hour before we started. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, If you turn the assignment in on time, even if it's the last second, it's still on time. But no, I did go through and I did read a bunch of reviews. And um, I will say this. There was one common theme on every single review. So I'll let you guys tell me if you could figure that out. But uh, same rules apply. Um I'm going to give an IMDb review. You guys give me what score you think it is out of 10. Whoever gets closest gets a point. If you get it right on the money, you get two points. If you're even distance apart, whoever gets it without going over gets the point. So um, who gave the quiz last week? Me. Okay. So Dan gets to go first this week. All right. I'm better at stealing the right answer than I am. Sometimes going second is better. Yeah. It's worked out for me anyways, but. So in that case, Tom goes first. Shit. Unless Dan, actually, Dan, you get the choice. Do you want to go first? Uh, yeah, let's just get this over with. <laughs> All right. So question number one by P. Corin-266-4692617 said. What? Is he a Cyberdyne systems model? I think so. I think so. Okay. He said January, either that or I just, you know, 
gave out my password. I don't know. Um, he said in January of 2020, Kevin Costner's effort to play Elliot Ness as a stiff FBI agent comes across as wooden. De Niro's performance is superbly vicious. But for me, Sean Connery stills the show on cruise control and gives the film character. Seven on ten. Thompson? I'm going to say ten on ten. Oh, and that goes to Dan. That was an eight out of ten review. Damn. I mean, that's a pretty good review. We've had some uh, ones that have been not so kind in the past. Yeah. All right, Thompson, this one's to you. This one was written by Kaiser Soze267 in March of 2006. He said, Also, Kevin Costner's acting was terrible. As always, Ness's team was extremely lame, and the scene with the baby on the staircase was just asinine. They do know that's a reference to a classic. The steps of a yes, sir. What? Okay, I'm pissed at this guy. Go on, <laughs> continue. That was the review. Well, negative five for this jackass. Steps You're not a okay. Yes, you give him a negative five, but what review do you think he gave the movie? Well, probably a four. Nigel. Uh, one. And Dan on the money, that was a one-star review. Holy shit. Fuck him. <laughs> Fuck them. Fuck that bot. As a film major, just boiling my blood. Move on, Josh. I think that review broke Tom. What do you think, Dan? I think it did, too. Yeah. Well, Dan, this one's to you. Anubis underscore 113229 said in December of 2009... <laughs> not making these up. I copied and pasted. <laughs> Sounds like a Stargate villain. Anyways, go on. <laughs> Costner was a little dull. It had a great little cliched plot. The music was great, except for the alcohol-busting music that sounded like Indiana Jones. Five on ten. Thompson? Dan's probably got this right. I'm going to price this right to you and go six out of ten. Tom got it. That was an eight out of ten review. Mm. All right. I'm not completely out of the game yet. Nope, nope. It's three to one. But two questions left. I still could do it. Could do it. All right, Thompson. Yes. This one was said by Boondock Sank 203 in July of 2003. I wonder what movie was out that year. Costner, as usual, simply lacks every hint of emotion in his role as Elliot Ness. One. Dan? Three. That was an eight-star review. Jesus. <laughs> what? <laughs> Wait. <laughs> I bet the rest of the review was, but Connery, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, probably. I, I believe so, yes. Also, I'm guessing that the theme of these reviews has been numbers in the names. No. Really? Okay. Well, I've pretty much lost this, but Dan, you want to put a nail in the coffin here with this next yeah, question? That's a four to one. Well, he's still got one question left. No, he's, he's out of it. Even if he gets this one on the money, it's still three to four. Oh, okay. Well, I... Dan's got quiz next week. Oh, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Dan, let's do the last two anyway. LeCasmer25 said in March of 2007, Kevin Costner's performance as Elliot Ness is not only bad, but it's possibly the most annoying performance of all time. This is a 10-star review right here. I'm sure it is, Nigel. It's... Um, yeah, actually, you know what? No. I'm gonna say it's a 2. Thompson? You got me with the last one. So I'm actually gonna say this is a 6-star review. Well, uh, Dan technically gets that one because it was a 4-star review. Son of a bitch. I got a Dang. point. <laughs> 5 to 1. Yeah. <laughs> I showed up. Yeah, participation present, award. But uh, you want to hear the bonus? Sure. So Brian Laugh ran five said in September of 2009, 
Robert De Niro is beautifully sinister as a real bad guy Al Capone, and Sean Connery is at his Oscar-winning peak as beat cop Jimmy Malone, though Kevin Costner is good. He's still a bit flat as the main character, Elliot Ness. They just really love Costner in this movie. I think I think people judge his past roles based on his current or his like not his bad ones. You know what I mean? Like they yeah. they have a tendency to say, "Oh, well, he sucked in Waterworld, so he clearly sucks in Dances with Wolves." No, he he won an Oscar for that film. Yeah, his first big role. What? Okay, so I'm gonna say this was gonna be a four star review, Dan. I will say uh, six. That was a 10-star review. Dear Lord, Nigel! (laughs) Take some meat on that bone! I'm not not trying to win! (laughs) Yeah, the theme was uh, these were all uh, people critiquing Kevin Costner's uh, performance in this movie. (laughs) Critiquing with some big old air quotes. Yeah, there was was bad reviews on Kevin Costner's performance in every single uh, level of this. Dear God! Oh, Lord. Okay, now I'm not so sure about this film anymore, guys. Maybe I should play the music. (laughs) That's good. Well, you got to tell yourself to do it first. What should I tell myself? Just say play the music, Tom. Tom, play the music. Ah, see, welcome back to a criminally delightful episode of The Fire Pit. I am, as always, your interspersal host, editor, and racketeer, Tom. Now, see here, kid. That shipment of the good stuff that's set to come in tonight? You look the other way, see? And we'll make it worth your while. That's a $10 gift card to Best Buy, see? And there's plenty more where that came from. Ah, ah. But thank you for making it worth your while to join us here at the Fire Pit. We're working out the Chicago way as the team continues on their marathon to Pound Town, staying pure and prohibiting those liquid carbs as they head towards the main event, Rocky. But speaking of heading out, let's see which way the team heads with their current predicament. Dude, we're going to the break room. What? You said, join the team, or whatever. We're going to the break room before we watch the movie. Where's your head at? I, um, I'm not really used to you guys just directly responding to me when I do that. Um... Speaking of which, what are we doing this week? Oh, core! We're supposed to be working out his, you know, the image... What the hell was that? You hear that? Um, no, yes. What is this piss? Disgusting. There isn't any white candy in here either. What are you doing, sir? Yeah, I thought you said you were going to... Oh, no, you very clearly told us where you were going. Oh, yes, I I was looking for your cohort stash. I, uh, haven't been successful yet. I haven't been able to find anything. Just this garbage that tastes like porcupine pissing into your mouth and asking for cuddles afterwards. Yeah, that's the White Claw shit that Josh drinks. Look, he's buying all the flavors and shit now, too. See? He keeps trying to push this stuff on us like he's a dealer. It's like, dude, we don't want it, bud! Gross. Very good, uh, just say no to drugs. Uh, so, uh, where's your sad sack friend keep his stash? I didn't find it in the fridge. You, you have it right there. Tom, can I talk to you over here, please? Right over anywhere, right over here. What's up, buddy? Seriously, where did you get this guy? 
Okay, so I found him online. It was internetrealsleuths.com. It was very highly recommended. Five stars out of two people. Dot com or was it dot... It was dot CA, wasn't it? It, I think it might have been dot UK. R-A-I-N-E. Whoa, what the fuck, man? Did he, did he just get into the baking soda? Either that's the ass end of a rabbit chihuahua, or that isn't what I think it is. How would you know what any of this tastes like? Jesus, sir, you need to get out of here now, please. Yeah, seriously, I think we can handle Josh and all his terrible life decisions. You're not going to be able to help that low-life piece of human garbage without me. That may be true, sir, but he's our garbage. I can respect your decision. If you request it, I uh, shall take my leave. Okay, so now to deal with Josh and his fucked up life. You guys just forget I'm here, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yep. Okay. All right, then. Tom, say the thing so we can watch the movie. Shit. Uh, button, button. Who's got the button? Um, oh, here it is. Okay, so now that that's done, we can all... Team? Team, where did you go? Are you still here? Huh. I push a button, they disappear. I'll have to save that for later. <laughs> but if you have some movie recommendations that you've saved up for us, or if you want to save some money advertising with us, or if you want to save a spot on our shout-out section for yourself or some friends, then feel free to email us at curtaincallentertainmentinc at gmail.com. That's curtaincallentertainmentinc at gmail.com. Just be sure to put Fire Pit in the subject line, as well as reason for the email. Whether it's to commission an ad, give a shout out, ask about a movie we have or will watch, or whatever else you might have in mind, and then just slide it on over. From there, we'll read it, chain it to a cinder block, toss it over a long pier into a deep lake, deny ever knowing we ever had any dealings with it, and never respond. It should have known to keep its big mouth shut. Know what I'm saying? But that email again is curtaincallentertainmentinc at gmail.com, capital C, capital C, capital E, capital I, at gmail.com. Ah, gotta play hardball, see? Fine. How does this tickle your pickle? Two discount tickets to see Britney Spears in Las Vegas, see? Ah, back row, right next to the buffet line. Now, we gonna do business or we gonna do business? Nah, nah, nah. Well, looks like I'm going to go to prison for bribery. I'll let you get back to the episode. Thank you all for listening, and as always, good luck. Hey, nah, 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 don't you know you're supposed to tell me if you're an undercover cop? Nah, who's a criminal now, see? Nah, nah. Mammy. Mammy. Look what they done to your baby boy, Mammy. And now to check on the team to see how they're enjoying their movie. 19.
1930. Prohibition has transformed Chicago into a city of war. Rival gangs compete for control of the city's multi-billion dollar empire of illegal alcohol and prostitution. There's giant penises painted everywhere. On You're the- done. You're done. Sorry, I'm drunk. I've had half of a beer. These things are so alcoholic. Oh, my God. I don't know how you can drink these. This is just, oh. Oh, for fuck's sake. See, I don't know if he's being serious or not. There is violence in Chicago, of course, but not by me and not by anybody I employ. And I'll tell you why, because it's not good business. (laughs) Meanwhile, Capone Man doing violence. Yeah, it's not good business. It's great business. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. She okay? <laughs> There's no body, so it means she was blown safe from the briefcase bomb she was holding. <laughs> so she's good, though, right? Yeah, he's fine. Okay. I really love Sean Connery. I actually have trivia about Sean Connery. So Connery turned up to the shoot in his golf clothes. Uh, they did a close open, and then Sean was dismissed for the day. He came back after a full day of golf, acted for five minutes, and then went home. Andy Garcia and Charles Martin Smith grabbed him after the scene and said, Very clever of you. Just got back from golf, turn up for five minutes, do your scene, and that's it. Connery turned to them and said, This is not my first barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> the man, the myth, the legend, ladies and gentlemen. I know that many of you take a drink, but now we must be pure, and I want you to stop. I quit. I'm out. (laughs) And then we bust through. Of his pants. Not that kind of busts out, Josh. Go back to White Call, please. Wait, no, he makes that joke even without it. (laughs) How soon can we get Josh's replacement? It's not a question of whether or not it's a harmless drink. It's against the law, gentlemen. And as we are going to enforce the law, we must do first by example. Boy, he would not make it as a cop today. Well, the Lord hates a coward. But does he, though? I mean, Noah kind of just packed up ship and left. You're out of line, but you're not wrong. <laughs> Why don't you come up and brush my hair? With your chin. No, it's the 1930s. She legitimately meant to brush her hair. They were into some kinky stuff in the 30s. She might show her ankles. Whoa, that's illegal in some states. Love how they're not wearing air protection. But then again, they probably didn't wear ear protection. Ear protection is for sissies. What? I said ear protection is for missies. Oh, he really did throw a hissy. No, I don't want a kissy. <laughs> you both are so dumb. We will engage from the Canadian side of the bridge. Thus taking them by surprise from the rear. That surprise, as you very well know, Mr. Ness, is half the battle. No, knowing is half the battle. God! Don't you you not watch G.I. Joe? G.I. what? Nothing. The hell are you dressed for? Halloween? No, golfing. I love that they sprang for this orchestra for this movie. It sounds like Final Fantasy music. I'm just like waiting for the random encounter. Sorry. But he's not wrong. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, I like him. He just joined the Treasury Department. 
Nobody's going to point out the fact he legit like, pulled a gun on the dude, right? It's the 30s. We're just going to bypass it's, that. No, it's the 30s. It's Chicago. They're not allowed to drink, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> Tensions were very high. Two coded entries in this ledger represent cash disbursement to all levels of city officials and to Alphonse Capone. True story. Al Capone really didn't want this guy to die until his real name got out as Alphonse. <laughs> Kill him! Kill him! <laughs> I want him dead! I want his family dead! I have forsworn myself. I have broken every law I swore to defend. I have become what I beheld, and I am content that I have done right. Now that man must be stopped, and you must- I'll be the judge of what I must do, Mr. Ness. So let's go back to the laws you said you broke. <laughs> um... Never stop. Never stop fighting till the fight is done. What do you say? What do you say? You talking to me? You talking to me? I can't hear you. You talking to me? No, I can't actually hear you over this crowd. So I'm asking, you talking to me? I could really go for a Chicago-style pizza right now. Mm-hmm. And a hot dog. And I feel like robbing a bank. <laughs> <laughs> I blew my first case. It was a bum gig. Oh yeah, I'll show them. One day I'll make Field of Dreams. And Dances with Wolves. And Waterworld! Ooh, wait, wait, slow down. Take a step back. And then Swing Vote! Yep, farther back, farther back, come on. Okay, fine, I'll make the Postman! Okay, um, let's just say you peaked in the 90s. <laughs> and now, back to the episode. Um, one quick thing, um... This is a little bit tragic, but I was talking, I was thinking about it in my trivia. Um, Elliot Ness, his role in bringing down Al Capone had actually been completely forgotten at the time of his death in 1957. Um, no, yeah, no Chicago newspaper carried news of his passing. Um, his heroic reputation only began with the posthumous publication of the Untouchables book that he had co-written. Um, and the Untouchables television series in 1959 that was adapted from that book. It's kind of sad that what happened to Elliot Ness after the events of this film. There's a part in the movie where an envelope is dropped on his desk. Uh, it's assumed to be a bribe, but they never tell you what the amount is. But in real life, Al Capone had promised Elliot Ness two $1,000 bills would be on his desk every Monday morning if he turned a blind eye to his bootlegging. That's an enormous amount of money. It's more than $30,000 today. Wow. Yeah, and Ness refused the bribe and later died penniless and struggled with money um and he died at a kind of a young age at uh, 54 after this elliot ness would go on to become the director of public safety in cleveland ohio he supervised the investigation of a series of murders committed by the butcher of kingsbury run an extremely vicious serial killer who decapitated his victims and leaving behind their torsos the killer Fuck. was yeah the killer was never captured and the lack of closure in this case ruined Elliot Ness's reputation. He had a failed political career and eventually died penniless. His wife had to actually borrow money to have him cremated. His remains had stayed in the basement of a funeral home for decades before they were found and his ashes were actually scattered. Fuck me. It, it's, it's really sad. Like at the end of the film, the, the reporter asked what Ness, what's he's going to do after now the prohibition's over. And he says, I think I'll have a drink. But Elliot Ness later became a heavy drinker and even got involved in alcohol related accidents because his reputation was destroyed because they never found this butcher of Kingsbury. And I just oh. think that that's incredibly tragic. So that's another thing about this movie. I like is you get to see Elliot Ness as the hero 
that he deserves to be remembered as. Yeah, no shit. Ooh. Okay, so, and now I'm ready to do the lead-in for final thoughts whenever you guys are ready. Talk it to us, baby. Okay. And uh, that was The Untouchables, uh, 1987. Not quite ready for primetime classic, but a classic nonetheless. But we've got thoughts on this film. Uh, I think we're going to start with Tom. Yeah, okay. So, first, uh, fuck that one guy in the quiz section for not getting the homage to Steps of Yadiesa from the Battleship Potemkin. Uh, future Tom editing this, splice their name in so they can be shamed properly right here. <laughs> Kaiser Soze 267. As Sergei Eisenstein invented the rules of how to portray emotion and events in a film to grip the audience that we still use today, and how dare you, sir, for not appreciating this reference in this film? Shame on you, sir or madam. I apologize if i'm misgendering you know you have your own thing but shame tom 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 back on back on topic back on topic (laughs) second i don't think i like this film actually i kind of think i really don't like this movie at all josh you noted that there were some parallels between our expectations for this film and our expectations for true grit um i don't think you meant that we were going to get the same watch experience but I kind of got the same watch experience that I did in True Grit. The directing just did not do it for me. It was a two-hour film with a one-hour plot. And I could not really get behind or ignore, excuse me, the meandering pace. I mean, you had the intro, then there was this an explosive scene, then another intro to Elliot Ness, and then this and the other, the bridge scene and everything else. Even when things got going, it didn't feel like it was tense or really going anywhere, with the exception of a few scenes. There were some a few moments here and there that did, like... Oh, shit. One of those scenes I had seen before. So I think... No, my reaction to that scene with um, Connery in his apartment, that still held up. I'm not going to spoil that because that's a great scene and I think people should not be spoiled on it. But for the rest of it, I just... I, I didn't really dig it too much. I had other... I have other thoughts about everything else that went into this. But I'm going to save that for later. But... I don't like this film. I want to like it. Don't get me wrong. Connery did well, but the directing just and a lot of other choices, not very good. Josh, as someone who's never even heard of this film, how did you like it? Uh, I didn't hate it, but it's nothing I'm going to be rushing to watch again. Okay. Like, I thought some of the direction was interesting. Like that opening scene where they had the overhead view of Al Capone getting uh, shaved with the reporters and everything. I thought that was interesting. There was a couple of scenes in there I thought was interesting. Um, I didn't get the baby scene. I thought that was dumb. Um, (laughs) No, seriously, I think there was three people who probably got that reference. If it's even a reference, you know. Somebody with half a semester of film school probably couldn't even get that. The weekend of September 26, 2003, top five movies was Under the Tucson Sun. I believe it was Under the Tuscan Sun, but yes. Tuscan Tucson. (laughs) Yeah, the movie takes place in Italy, uh, not Arizona. So. Tuscan, Tuscan, shut up! 
but uh yeah i i don't know it's like i don't think i've seen worse sean connery uh performances but i don't know i'm on the fence it's like did i like his performance more or less or i don't know i thought he did a better job in dr no or other films i don't know i I don't know if i think that this was oscar worthy for him or if it was like why haven't we given sean connery an oscar yet what did he do last year untouchables yeah give him one for that beyond that i could see all the criticism on costner's performance i was not a fan of the paper he turned in (laughs) but i do understand your gripes with the pacing on the film it was very slow at times and i know when they went whole wild west on it i lost interest for a few minutes (laughs) but i liked it better than you i think but at the same time i'm just it's definitely not nostalgia fuel for me so yeah it's just like okay that was a movie if i had to give it a score i'd probably say seven okay like a low seven I liked like Heat better. Anywho, Dan, what about you? I'm, I still like this movie, but now you guys are making me feel really dumb for liking it. So hey, 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 we watched Twenty One Bridges. Remember that? <laughs> well, that's true. I don't know. I there's lots of parts of this movie I really like, and maybe it is nostalgia fuel for me because I I watched this movie with my grandpa a lot and enjoyed watching it with him but i don't know i still like this film i can see why connery won best supporting actor he freaking carries this movie and then after he regard yes he did sorry go ahead yeah he carries this film like he's he is the most entertaining part of it him and him and him and de niro like tom was mentioning while we were watching it like de niro's not in this very much but when he's in it he's making the most of his scenes Mm -hmm. and i de niro definitely did like method actor that he was like he he had watched al capone newsreels you know because that is there's a little truth in television to this movie al capone was a local celebrity Mm -hmm. when all this was going on but this was kind of another age of the outlaw and he was kind of a local celebrity. In fact, people were kind of upset for Elliot as for taking him down. Hey, how dare you put this known killer and racketeer in prison for the crimes he's committed? Oi! Hey, no one got more fan mail than uh, Charles Manson. So <laughs> people are weird. But um, <laughs> I st- like I said, I still enjoy this film. I don't it's not it's not in my favorites movie it's like it is a favorite film of mine but it isn't one of my like top five that i go back and watch all the time like uh terminator 2 but this one i still enjoy watching it tom didn't like it but i kind of like the score to this film the only thing i didn't like was uh, i i noticed it watching it with a critical eye is some of the shots seem to linger a little too long mm-hmm. the whole scene where he's pointing the gun at what's his name as he's trying to climb the rope and you're like, will he shoot him? Will he won't shoot him? Will he won't shoot him? Will he won't shoot him? I could have taken about 10 seconds off that scene, but that's only my, that's my major gripe with this film is that some scenes go on just a little too long. So I agree on that one. Uh, but other than that, yeah, I still enjoy it, but I mean, if you guys didn't like it, fair enough. <laughs> Maybe from my side, and I think we're going into the merge thoughts. It is because oh, yeah. I had the nostalgia for it and that, I had not seen all of the film like I had thought I had seen. So with a critical eye, it's a lot like Highlander in that way. I had such high regard for the TV show and going back to the movies, like I like the TV show better. Here is also the same. I prefer the TV show of the Untouchables better than the movie. Also, because I felt like this could have been a half hour 
episode or an hour long TV movie and you would have lost nothing. Yeah, in fact, it probably would have been better. But um, but can we all agree that the fight between Connery and that old cop in the alley was one of the best fight scenes ever? Or is that yes. just me? Thank you, yes. Josh. That was a good one. But no, you know, I wanted to go back and talk about uh, Dan, talk about uh, Sean Connery. You know, when you put it into perspective that way, and relative to the other p- actors in this film, yes, that was definitely an Oscar-worthy performance. Well, I just I don't think the other actors in this movie were bad per se. I really don't think any of them were bad, except for uh, Elliot Ness's wife. Anyways, oh, yeah, that entire uh, subplot was dumb. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, she, I don't think she needed to be in the movie as much as she was because one, he wasn't married to her at the time yet. And two, it, it, I understood her purpose, established that Elliot Ness has a family and that way that you can put him in danger later mm-hmm. and that adds drama. But other than that, n- no. Um, yeah. yeah. It, it's, but yeah, that, it's like I, Bob De Niro and uh, oh my God. Sean Connery definitely carried this movie. Yes. Your, your buddy Bob? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Bobby D? <laughs> Go on, Josh. But no, it's like, yeah, Sean Connery did a great job in this movie. I thought I really like some of his dialogue. I'm still on the fence whether or not I think that was Oscar worthy. Uh, But uh, like he did carry the film. I will agree with you on that one. Him and freaking Bobby D, man. They did such a good job in this movie. I didn't even recognize Bob De Niro in most of his scenes. You know, it's like what you could tell a good actor is when like you can separate the person from the role. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like tom hanks looks like tom hanks in every tom hanks film but you don't see tom hanks in those roles yeah you know like he's he uh loses himself inside of his roles like he's forrest gump he's you know jim lovell mm-hmm. he's whatever the guy's name is in the terminal but he looks exactly like tom hanks that's the only di- di- no, similarities I'm, I'm, that's no fault of tom hanks he's got a very tom hanks look he looks the most like tom hanks than any other tom hanks i know but yeah, but like Sean Connery, it's like, I think he did a great job. Oh, yeah. he definitely had some best lines in the movie. All of the um, stolen from Chinese fortune cookie lines. Yeah. Seriously. At a certain point, I just wanted to turn to him. It was like, we get it. You're the old sage. Stop. I was a little surprised that they, spoiler alert, killed him off. Like I knew he was I was, a I wasn't, character. I wasn't. That's a trope. That's called the Obi-Wan. That the, the old guy teaches the young guy things and then eventually has to die. That trope is as old as Hollywood itself. Hell, that goes all the way back to stories of the, well, Star Wars is it, the hero's journey. Like that's the, 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 he has to meet the mentor and the mentor has to die. Yeah. And it's so, the emotional tug. Well, yeah, like, I get that in that regard, but I don't know why, but I didn't have, I had it in my head that like, I didn't, I didn't think he would die. Yeah, but even not knowing the film, like if a character like Sean Connery, if, you know, if, if it ever, the movie ever starts with a, Young up and comer, new new to the police force or new to the army or new. Oh yeah, to I know the trope. Old co- okay, I yeah, know yeah, the yeah. trope. Yeah, sorry, no, I have dead. seen a movie in the past twenty five hundred years. <laughs> yeah. We have been doing this for seventy eight episodes. We've yeah, well, we I know forgot. a movie. Yeah, we're professional podcasters. <laughs> yes, but I mean, I do get you need the emotional. Now it's personal, and you, yeah. you killed the spoiler alert. The geek. Why did they have to kill the accountant? Seriously. Dude, that was a brutal death, too. Yeah, I get it. It happened in real life, even though none of the other deaths happened in real life. But why kill the accountant? Uh, of all the weird in- inaccuracies, the one thing they get right is the one I'm harping about. I don't, yeah, no. I don't know. I don't know. I'm tired. So 
Yeah. This reminds me of that one time I got stoned and watched this movie, and it was like really obvious that uh, they were trying to hide somebody behind like a blow up, uh, like pool pool uh, lounger or whatever. And I remember watching it. This is like the only time I've ever gotten stoned in my entire life. It was one of those things where it's like really obvious to you, and there, but it's not obvious to the person who's across the street. Yeah. And I remember watching it and I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. She was behind the thing the whole time. Rewind <laughs> that. Dude, totally didn't catch that. Whoa. There's a reason I don't do drugs. Obviously. <laughs> yes. But if I go to add one more complaint, it's the music. I know uh, Anishio did the score and he clearly did it at the last minute. And that distracted a lot of stuff. Uh, I agree and disagree. I think it was good and bad. Like, it had its ups and its downs, literally. Like, when it was good, it was good. But when it was bad, it was bad. Yeah. The scene in Connery's apartment, it was good, and then it was bad. And then the chase uh, on the rooftop between him and Costner, really bad. It was bad, but right after that was really good. Yeah. So, I don't know. And maybe the whole Wild West scene was bad. Very bad. Oh, boy. And this is a guy that did Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, and The Thing. One of our favorite movies on this journey, The Thing. He, or not this journey, but this season. And this was what he did? Really? John Carpenter's next week, dude. He he did The Thing. That's like... Uh, oh, the music? Yeah, the music. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Did he? Yeah. I thought we were talking about director. Morricone. No, no. The director, obviously, he also phoned this. And I don't know. I don't know. Nigel, I'm not going to judge you for still liking this film. But I, I guess I, I, it's I kind of in the same boat that Josh was in in 21 Bridges, though. I like this film, but can see the flaws. I see your guys this point. This isn't like me and Josh with uh, True Grit, where Josh just shit all over that film. And I thought Josh was a moron because his opinions were stupid. <laughs> and this is one of those like, yeah, your opinion. I don't agree with your opinion, but it's valid. You know, it's like it's it's a valid opinion. Yes. Um, yes. This. Yeah. So I, I can see why you guys didn't like it. Like I said, I'm probably looking at it through the heavy nostalgia lenses, which is fine, but I do recognize the flaws in this film. Josh is spot on when the score is, the score has no middle ground. It's a lot like Star Trek Voyager. Hey, take a drink. Star Trek reference. It's either really, really, really good or really, really, really bad. Mm-hmm. There's no in between. Yeah. I mean, I would love to see this. Actually, no, I don't want to see this film remade. No, no. Considering modern Hollywood, that would be the worst. no, Mid 1980s did not do this justice. It wanted to be 1970s style or even 1960s style directing, but it didn't do it. It just don't touch it. Go go watch the TV series. You get the guy that plays Gimli doing um, Connery's character. I think if you're going to have anyone play Connery, have him play. So that's my thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Quick um, aside, uh, I mentioned that uh, Kevin Costner has starred in more movies than anyone else on our podcast. I missed a couple. He's actually been in, uh, obviously, he's Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves with Alan Rickman. And we saw Alan Rickman in not just Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, but we also saw him in Galaxy Quest. And he's in a movie that we haven't got to on this podcast called No Way Out with Sean Young. And Sean Young was in Blade Runner. So, there. So, is Rickman technically the one that's been in the most? Or is it still Connery? No, no, Costner. Oh, Costner, excuse me, not Connery, Costner. Sorry, I'm still enamored by Costner's performance in this movie, so 
forgive me for being still a little bit flustered. Okay, so uh, I've got nothing else to say about this film. Um, quick uh, disclaimer for the audience, though. No matter how much Josh has to drink, uh, him and Robert De Niro are not friends. Well, me and Bobby D, we're close. False. <laughs> Dan doesn't accept the fact that uh, I have friends outside of you two. No, no, I, you have plenty of friends outside of us. One of them is not Robert De Niro. <laughs> We're going to get an email from Bobby De Niro. You're not friends with him either. He's Robert De Niro. None of us know him. <laughs> Don't worry, Bobby. It's, it's, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Oh, Don't it's worry fine. about him, Bob. Don't worry about him. Yeah, yeah he, he doesn't know. He doesn't oh. know. He's just jealous because we're so tight. Right. I'm very... Oh, jeez. Oh, fuck's sake. And that's it for tonight's show. As a reminder, you can find us on firepitpodcast.com, Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, or wherever fine podcasts are sold. Regular episodes, Tuesdays at 6 p.m., not lately. Uh, please like and subscribe on whatever medium you choose. We really appreciate it as it helps us out. Just be sure to leave a review for the podcast. That way we show up in searches. Like if someone searches for this film or a review of this film, we'll show up in reviews. So just be sure to leave us a review uh, on whatever medium you choose to listen to, us, listen to us on. And be sure to join our Discord channel. We're all up on there. We've been doing some chit-chatting on there. You can find a link at discord.me slash firepit. Um, you'll get uh, notifications of uh, new episodes. Um, and like I said, we're all in there. We're chatting, uh, talking about the latest movie, about movies we're going to and whatnot. It's a good time. So uh, join us. Yes. And you could also email us at curtaincallentertainmentinc at gmail.com. You might have heard of it. That sexy fellow in the interspersal uh, might have brought it up once or twice. You could use it to send us an electronic mail. Those fancy future mails. But also be sure to like our page on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at FirePitCCE. Both linked in this episode's description as well. <laughs> Dan. <clears throat> Dan. It's getting over the fact you guys are not friends with him. Anyways. <laughs> I would like to give a shout out to Peggy, the OG friend of the channel. Uh, thank you so much for your continued support and listening. We do appreciate it. Another shout out to uh, Zencaster, the medium we use to record our podcast on. Always uh, seems to be there for us. Uh, at least we're guaranteed at least once a recording, someone has an uh, internet hiccup and uh, we have yet to lose recording because of it. So uh, shout out to Zencaster there. And also a special shout out to uh, anyone that has joined the Discord later. I'll let Josh uh, name them because he knows them more than I do. And they're real people, not Robert De Niro. Well, Robert De Niro is a real person, but he's not a real friend of Josh. But shout out to Robert De Niro because he's obviously a friend of the channel. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> I would like to shout out a very close and personal friend of mine, um, Bobby De Niro. So, uh <laughs> <laughs> he was really looking forward to us watching these two movies. He called me. We talked about it. So shout out to you, dude. Fantastic time chit-chatting. Can't wait for you to come back and we can have another drink. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Somebody put on their galoshes. The shit's getting deep now. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, shout out to Edwards. He recently joined our discord and he's been sparking up some conversation so thank you for 
asking all these hard-hitting questions, and I am going to answer with an inclusive or yes. So keep it up. We appreciate it, and we enjoy uh, the conversation. And shout out to Plex and Sync Lounge for giving us a uh, chance to watch this movie in sync with each other and be able to BS and fall asleep on each other while we're watching it. Um, I already shout out at my buddy Bobby D, right? Maybe. Yeah, yeah, I did. I did. It's okay. I think I already did. My close friend, Bobby D. And from my end, I'd like to shout out a personal friend of mine, Robert D. Oh, damn it. Damn it. I can't do it as well. I'd like to shout out a friend of mine, actually. I, um, actually, first I'll shout out Audacity. Audacity is the software which I utilize to edit this podcast, which uh, I it helps me to parse out all of our dialogue, our audio, our skits, add in some great Foley, cut out awkward pauses, um, maybe edit out some lies and other things that we say about being friends with Hollywood celebrities that may or may not be true. It's an excellent software. We don't pay for it. And they don't pay us to say good things about it. I've been using it since we started this podcast. I will probably continue to use it until forever. So if you want to make a podcast or whatever, go with that. And I'd also like to shout out my friend Al, who is back from Australia. Al, welcome back, dude. It is good to have you. Al helped provide one of the tasty beverages which I enjoyed during the watching section. So thank you very much. Al is appreciated. Uh, They were not able to attend my uh, surprise party. So we had like a dinner thing not long after that as a conciliatory. And again, I got some mead. I've got some whiskey and those are fantastic. And finally, Reinard, our latest um, follower on Facebook. Thank you for joining and helping to keep the fire pits burning. Awesome. So uh, I think somebody mentioned John Carpenter. Is that what we're doing next week? Yep. Next week, we are watching the superhero smash hit from 1984, Starman. Oh, my God. Starman. I love that film. It's like, oh, my God, that fight above the skyscraper. Yep. It is the high budget non-stop action superhero extravaganza it's set the groundwork what we know of as the marvel cinematic universe wait oh my god oh what that does because it's got jeff bridges in it and jeff bridges yeah Yeah, okay yeah that makes sense wait wait no 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 i think you guys are thinking iron man iron man is what you're thinking of yeah but but oh this is the uh sequel to the thing right that's right. That's what this one is. This is the sequel to The Thing, John Carpenter's film that came out a few years before this. No, no. Starring Jeff Bridges as a superhero named Starman no. who came down from the heavens above to fight The Thing, right? No. I'm, I'm right on this, right? No, I'm, yeah, no, no none tracks. of that is right. That sounds totally right. No. So join us next week. No, that's none of that is right at all. But still join us next week. We are going to be watching... Starman, Starman, the 80s film with Jeff Bridges, which does not involve fighting aliens or Iron Men at all. In all honesty, this is the Fire Pit podcast first attempt at a romantic drama, right? I mean, technically Wimbledon, but I mean, that wasn't really a movie. What are you guys talking about? (laughs) Starman's a superhero film. It is. We're just trying to 
temper Tom's expectations. Like, I, I get, I get that there's probably romance in it. I mean, fuck, you got Clark Kent and Lois Lane, Batman and his fists. So you're thinking Superman now? Oh no, my I'm god! Pointing out that like Pepper Potts and uh, Tony Stark, Clark Kent and Lois Lane, Tom, stay in your lane. I am not including any of that in the watching section. No one's gonna get that joke. Dan, save us, please. Robert De Niro's not your guys' friend. Bobby D. Yes, and until then, I've been Dan. I've been Josh. And I've been Tom. Thanks for listening. This has been a production of Curtain Call Entertainment, LLC. Stay safe out there. And scene. All right. Good episode, guys. White claws everywhere. Son of a. Yeah. Also, the baking soda is. My God, the mess. It's going to take us days to clean this up. Uh, no, it's going to take days for you to clean it up. You no. hired him. You hired him. I just proposed to just, while Josh wasn't here, pour his white claws down the drain. You said, no, 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 no. We got to handle this delicately. We should hire somebody. Seriously, of all the addictions he could get attached to. Would have been better if he just started watching the seventh season of Supernatural. I really hate Supernatural after season seven. Nigel, is he even worth it at this point? I'm, you were talking before. Yeah, he just doesn't bring anything. It just in the- Yeah, and like the way he signs off, like, this has been a productive Kirk and Co. Entertainment. That's him. That's what he sounds like. It's just We should hire somebody else. Seriously, we should hire somebody else. Plus, his kits are mostly terrible. Especially the Stingers. Oh, my God. What are you guys even doing? <laughs> What? You told us to ad-lib. Are you okay with the stinger, Josh? Or do you want to yell at us some more? I would love to yell at you guys some more. All right, have at it. No, it's okay. It's actually waking me up, so have at it. All right, you guys are terrible. Okay. And um, do better. Uh Uh-huh. And don't ruin my vision. (laughs) Okay. Okay. You done? No, you're great, Dan. I'm talking to Tom. Oh, okay, cool. Now, Tom, I want you to go edit this episode and do a better job than you did acting it. (laughs) This is going to bite me in the ass, isn't it? (laughs) You know the worst part about Josh? Everything.